Bible with you this morning. Turn with me to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. If you find the book of Obadiah, you're, you're right there at it. Right there. I mean, just a little to your right. It is in between Obadiah and Micah. You know, Jonah is an interesting book. We're, we're going to start a, a series all the way through the book of Jonah. And I've entitled this series, Jonah, A Man on a Mission. And really, he's not just on one mission because it, it's pretty broken down into each chapter. There's a different mission that Jonah is full force, full steam ahead, seeking after. Like today, Jonah is uh, on this mission, and the mission that he is on is disobedience, sin, fleeing from God. Next week, we're going to see that uh, from the belly of the fish, Jonah is praying, and, and the mission that he's on is, is that of repentance, that of confession, that of surrender to the Father. The week after that, we'll look at chapter 3, and as we're in chapter 3, we see the mission that he is on is that of obedience, to understand the call that God has on his life and to go and do it. And then the final one is chapter 4, and in chapter 4, there is this mission that he is on. It's arrogance, it's pride, it's anger. And he's just ready to die. So, that's where we're going to be for the rest of March as we look at this book called Jonah. I want to read the whole book this morning. I know, it's, it's a long passage, but as I read it out loud, I want it to soak in for you. I want it to soak in for for me, for us, so that we can understand this man and these missions. So, let me read the book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, the mariners, the sailors, they were afraid and each cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for, for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know who's, on whose account the evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew, they knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that the great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I cried out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up My life from the pit. Oh Lord my God. When my life was fainting away. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. Into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols. Forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. 
And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a, a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered it with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew, for I knew that you are a gracious God. Merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from Disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head and save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose... God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. The Lord said, you pity the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, I ask. Lord, I ask that as we spend these moments, as we spend these moments in the first chapter, Lord, you would let us see. Father, you would let us see this mission that Jonah is on and the mission also that you're on. Father, we would grasp, not just this man, but Father, we would grasp you and what you are about. And Father, where we line up with Jonah, 
in the sin, in the disobedience, in the attitude, in the words, in the actions. Father, would you convict me even now? Would you convict me, convict us? Lord, would we call it what you call it, sin? I ask that you would speak into our lives. Father, you would use this passage, these words. Draw us close to you, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Man on a mission, a mission of disobedience, a mission of sin. Three points, three areas that I see this passage break down. The first is this. As we look at this mission, we see the awesome acts of God. They they are displayed. These awesome acts of God are displayed for all to see. They're displayed for every single one of us to see. They were displayed for all the sailors. They were displayed for all the folks in Nineveh. They were displayed for Jonah. They were displayed for every single person to see. Look there in verses 1 through 4. I'm not going to read them again for us. But in verses 1 through 4, we see the acts of God just come about. The first is this, that he was in action. He saw Nineveh. Their evil had come up before him. He is present in Nineveh. He was also present there in Joppa with Jonah. He is also present right now in Hernando. He is present in this building. He is present. And as him being there, him being at work, one of the works that we see right off the bat, is that he invited Jonah to be a part of his work. And that's just his prerogative. It is his prerogative for him to invite you, invite me, invite mankind, invite Jonah to be a part of the work that he is doing. He's at work right now. He's at work in Hernando right now. He's at work... In this room right now. He's at work in Moscow. He's at work in Istanbul. He's at work in Malaysia. He he is at work all around you. And all around me. And he desires for us to be a part of that work. If you see that there in verse 1. It kind of reminds me of what the psalmist David stated. When he said, what is man? What's man that you are mindful of him? What is Jonah to God that he is mindful enough of Jonah? What are you, what am I to God that he is mindful enough about us, about me, about you, that he says to you and me, hey, join me in this work. Jonah, join me in my work. And he says the same to you and to me. Another act of God in this passage is that He knows every sin that has taken place. Verse number 2 states, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out to her because their evil has come up to me. 
their evil has come up to him because he is present. He is omnipresent, but not only is he omnipresent, he is omniscient. He knows every single thing about you, about me, about Jonah, about the folks in Nineveh, about the folks in Hernando. He knows all things. And there is no secret with him. The awesome acts of God are displayed for every single person to see. Jonah was asked to be a part of these actions. He was asked to come and and proclaim this word to the people at Nineveh. Forty days from now, judgment's going to come. Forty days, judgment's going to come. Jonah was asked to be a part of God's great acts. Jonah was asked there in verse number 2 to go. Verse number 4, we see some more great acts of God. God hurled a great wind. And it just came and it brought seas up, waves up and down. I don't know if you've ever been on the open ocean in a halfway small boat and the winds pick up. I was not even on the open ocean. I was in a huge bay, and the winds picked up. And I mean, that little sailboat that I was in was a rocking, and I was turning 14 shades of green. God, great act, sent a great wind upon the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Verse 17, a great act of God. That last verse, what we know, what we remember of Jonah is this. The Lord appointed a great fish. A great whale. No, it says a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The acts of God, those awesome acts, they are depicted for everyone to see. And everybody sees them. This morning, you and I need to know this fact. This fact needs to come to the forefront of your mind. It doesn't need to be placed in the back crevices. It needs to be placed forefront, focused in on God is at work. He's at work all around you. He's at work at your job site. He's at work at your house. He desires for you, for you to be a part of his work. He invited Jonah to come and be a part. And he invites you and he invites me to join with him in his great work. Second point this morning is not only do... Does everybody see the awesome acts and the awesome work of God? But second, we see uh, Jonah's sin is too often like our own. Or, Or let me restate it. Our sin, my sin, your sin, is often just like Jonah. If you look there in verse number three down through verse number nine, we see the first utterances of Jonah's sin. 
Oh, how I can resonate with Jonah. Jonah loved to compartmentalize his life. How many of you, if you're honest with yourself, don't raise your hands, don't talk out loud, might call attention to yourself, but how many of you would say, I can compartmentalize my life with the best of them? Brian, what are you talking about? Jonah was a divided man. Look there in verse number 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. Then if you look down in verse number 10 and following. The men said to the men were exceedingly afraid. In verse number nine, he says, He said to them, This is Jonah, he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. Do you see the 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 spectrum of what was going on in Jonah's mind and in Jonah's life. He got up and he wanted to flee the presence of the Lord on the one hand, but at the same time, when all the troubles are going, he cries out to the men and he says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Jonah compartmentalized his life to the point that this, God, I fear you. I I know who you are. I know that you are over every single aspect of every single existence that I see, that I taste, that I smell, that I touch. I, I know that you are in charge of the whole world, but this one section, this little box that I'm going to go get in, I want to rule it, and I'm going to flee from you. How many of you are that way? Too often I resonate with Jonah. There are days, there are moments in my week that I open the Word and I read and I am just brought to my knees of the awesomeness of God. And ten minutes pass. If that. And I'm off on a tangent doing whatever Brian wants to do. For the day. I wake up the next morning and I say, oh Lord, how great you are. And the next day, I'm off doing whatever Brian wants to do. Jonah, in his sin, he compartmentally said, I know you are. I know who you are, I fear you, but I don't want to do what you tell me to do. So therefore, I'm going to be king of my life. You see the actions of Jonah? Uh, When you go home today, read, read over the actions of Jonah. Let me just give you snippets of it. Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down to the boat. He got in the bottom of the boat. He was thrown over the edge of the boat, down into the water. He was 
in the water in chapter 2, I read for us that as he's praying, he said, I went down to the bottom and the weeds from the, the roots and the bottom, they were wrapped around my head. And he ultimately found himself down inside the mouth and into the stomach of the fish. Do you know when you sin? When you sin. When you sin. It takes you places that you would never imagine that you wanted to go. You didn't want to go there, but it takes you to those places. You know, yesterday, it's all over the websites, all over the news. There was a plane that, that seems that it just fell out of the sky. Something went wrong, and there's oil slicks in the sea. They, they found the oil, what appeared to be oil slicks from that plane. They, they have not, at least this morning at 6 o'clock when I was looking at make sure my illustration would be halfway all right, They hadn't found anything. Hadn't found anybody. They thought that they might have turned around and were trying to make it back to Malaysia. But as those people are there searching, as the ships are searching, as the helicopters or the planes are searching, they know this. They know that they can't just look where those oil slicks are because there are currents in the sea. And the currents in the sea, and they they have all kinds of maps, all kinds of radar, that they can take these scientists who have some degrees and initials after their name, they're much smarter than I am, and they say, all right, if it's at this time, 2.40 local time, that was the last time that we heard from them, the amount of time that it is now, and the current of the sea, we don't need to look here, we need to be looking over here. Why? Because the currents would take them from point A to point B where they ought to be. The same thing happens in your life when you sin. When you sin, when I sin, we sin right here. But because of that sin, it does not keep us here. We are drifting. And that's what's happening with Jonah. Jonah didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. But what did that do? That took him down into a ship, down into the bottom of the ship, down into the water, down into the mouth of a fish. When you sin and I sin, it takes us farther than we ever thought, ever wanted to go. It entangles us. It ensnares us. I want you to stay with me for just a moment. I want to read two passages and talk about sin and the authority that it has over your life. Jonah chose. He chose his actions. And you choose yours. I choose mine. Those men didn't make him do what he did. Nobody makes you sin. You choose. The actions of others cannot make you sin. The way you and I react to their actions is sin or obedience. God's actions were Jonah, go and tell Nineveh. Jonah reacted and he acted after the action of God and he sinned. And that sin caused him to sin more and more and more and take him further and further away. Here are the two passages. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 states this, and God blessed them, Adam and Eve, that's them. 
And God said to them, said to Adam and said to Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion, that's authority, have authority, have ruling, have dominion over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis chapter 1, God said to them, you have authority over all of creation. You know what happened in Genesis chapter 3? They sinned. And because of that sin, they gave something up. They gave up authority. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is the passage that speaks of temptation or the temptation of Jesus with the devil. And here's chapter 4, verse 5, down through verse 7. It says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all of them, in a moment of time. And he said to him, he said to Jesus, Satan did, to you, I will give all this authority. I will give all this authority and their glory For it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will, if you then will bow down and worship me. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Eve sees the fruit. She is tempted. She's deceived, and she eats, and she she gives it to Adam. And Adam willfully sins. And in doing so, he gave up something that he never thought. He never thought about it. And it was handed over to Satan. When Jonah sinned in chapter 1, he gave up something that he never thought about. When you sin today, when you sin this afternoon, when you sin tomorrow, when I sin, in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, when I do something that God doesn't want me to do, when I don't do something that He tells me to do, I willfully give up. Authority. Sin entangles. It entices you. It entices me. It ensnares us and that one sin turns into many sins and you and I find ourselves way down the road way down the road we sin and when that occurs we're swept away we're swept away from the spot that we turned away from God we're swept away engulfed in this sea, down into the depths of depravity, and we're swallowed up by sin, and that's where Jonah found himself. Finally this morning, not only do we see the acts of God there seen by everyone, and we see the sin of Jonah, and it's so much like our own. For just a few moments, I want us to look at the pagan man. The pagan man is aware that there is a God in charge. 
There is a God that is in charge. They bowed down, the, the sailors, they bowed down to their gods. They paid sacrifice to their gods to stop this huge, tempestuous sea. They looked at Jonah and they begged him to say, all right, who are you? Whose God do you bow down to? Call out to him that he might hear. The men had their gods, but when Jonah informed them that he was a Hebrew and that he feared God, they panicked. Mankind is without excuse. Mankind knows there is a God. Mankind knows there is a God. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 down through verse 28 states this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, divine nature, have clearly, they have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. They are without excuse. Paul goes on to make the argument because of that. And man didn't want God to rule over him, to rule over her. God gave them over to their own minds and said, all right, if you don't want to love me for me, if you don't want to follow me because you want to follow me, go have at it. Whatever your mind can come up with, you go do it. And oh, how we have. When Jonah said to those sailors, you want the sea to quiet down? Okay, here's how it's going to quiet down. Throw me in. If you throw me in the sea, it will quiet down. They're like, oh no. Let's, let's try to do some more. Let's row some more. And they tried. They, they tried to row. And they rowed and they rowed, but there was nowhere for them to go. The sea was raging even more. So they picked up Jonah. And they hurled him into the sea. Pagans know there is a God. James chapter 2 states that even the demons believe that there is a God. Matthew chapter 8 verse 28 through 32 is the picture when Jesus gets across the Sea of Galilee over to the other side. He gets out of the boat and he looks up and there is a man who is possessed by a legion, a legion of demons. This man couldn't even be chained down because every time that they would try to chain him down, the legion of demons would break the chains. He, he ran day and night outside the city howling. He, he was there outside the city. He was, clo he was unclothed and he was crazy because of the demons that were inside of him. And here's what happened. Jesus showed up. He ran and the demons said this. You can read it. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 32. The demons said, what do you have with us? Christ, Son of God. 
Even the demons know. The pagan, mankind knows that there is a God. You say, Brian, they ridicule me at work because I believe there is a God. Because I believe in God. They ridicule me at school. My classmates, my teachers, my professors, they they ridicule me. They know. They just do not want to submit. This act of disobedience, this mission that Jonah was on in chapter 1 led Jonah to a place that he never thought he would go. But it also led to the act of Almighty God in a miraculous way that you and I, it's an extraordinary act. It is a miracle that God would send Jonah to the bottom of the sea, into the belly of a fish for three days. And for him to be spit up in the air, on to dry land, three days after the fact. You know, God doesn't want that to happen to you and to me. He wants us to be a part of his work. You're like, Brian, I don't even live close to the sea. I don't either. It's all right. You know what? It doesn't have to be a fish. There are other things that you can get into for three days and three nights, three weeks, three months, three decades. Don't make it take that long. Just follow him. He has the very best for you. He has the very best for me. Just follow Him. Follow the example of Jonah. Lord, hits very close to me. Because in one moment, I bow the knee. God, I say you are Lord. You're Lord of my life. You are Lord of, of all that I am a part of. And then, Lord, I take the steps that Jonah did to go down, to turn away from you, to, to run in an opposite direction. And God, all that is is sin. All it is is sin, that, that I don't want to say what you want me to say to somebody that I don't know, that I may never see again. That, that I don't want to say something to neighbors that I live around. Father, I don't want to do what, what you have called me to do. God, I know I'm not alone. As eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I don't know what your sin is today. Maybe you're here today and you are hooked on prescription drugs. You're abusing that. God says, quit running. Maybe it's the sin of that co-worker that you know God has laid on your heart. You just need to talk to him about who he is, about who you are, 
what he's done in your life. Maybe it's the sin of just being financially responsible. You're just not responsible with dollars that have been allotted to you. You're not a good steward. I, may, may we find ourselves content like Paul in things of much or things of little. I don't know what the sin is. Maybe it's the entertainment that you allow your, your eyes to see on the television screen, on the computer screen. Maybe it's that you exasperate your kids to no end. says to you and he says to me whatever that sin is if you would give it to me if you would come back to me I'll forgive you because I love you sir the altar is open for you to come and just bow the knee ma'am for you to come and confess seek his face Father, I pray that you would move in this time. Lord, you pinpoint, your spirit pinpoint the sin that we have allowed to stay, allowed to remain, to entangle, to ensnare us. Would you open blinded eyes this morning that we might see the attitudes that we have toward one another, the, the words, the actions. God, would we run to you? altar is open. You stand and you sing. You need to come pray with me. You come. I'll pray with you. May God move.